There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, we'd like to begin this podcast by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land that we're recording this podcast on, Los Angeles. Those are the Shumash, Keech, and Tongva people. We would like to pay our respects to their traditions as well as to their elders past and present. Salad or Dolly, through a great party, we all drank Bacardi, it got kind of gnarly. We're light as a feather, we're tougher than leather. Together we're weirder, we're weirder together. I wonder if Salvador Dolly threw a great party. I think he threw a few. Some of them were problematic from what I understand. I think he was like annoying, but I relate to him because I think he was probably shy and extroverted. Uh, like but, me. I yeah, guess. but do you relate to the annoying part or just the yeah, shy? Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably. You're not that annoying. Nah, maybe not. Uh. And I'm, rem- I'm uh, yeah, sometimes I'm remote and people think of me as... Uh, isn't it kind of like bitchy? Like people think of people who are remote or, or shy, shy as yeah, bitchy yeah, yeah. or something. I love sleeping next to you, Ben. Uh, not well, that's that good you because you, you got several more years ahead of it planned. I know. I think it was we once we got the dogs out of the bed. We have giant dogs, and it was not only gross because they are like farm animals, but I couldn't get a little ankle touch. I like just a tiny. Me too. I don't need to be all wrapped up and snuggled up, but I do like just a little contact. I know. I'll always forget. No, I'll always remember our friend Nick Nick. I will never forget when he said he couldn't sleep face to face with his girlfriend. Too much energy. And I was like, wow, that's weird. And then I tried and I was like, yeah, it's too much energy. Yeah, a little a little bit of connection is perfect. And it felt like for years because we co-slept. Yeah. With, you know, babies in the bed. So we had, it went from babies to dogs and it honestly felt like we were never going to reclaim the bed. Except Kate was sort of slept kind of better on her own, weirdly. I would have co-slept, but she kind of wanted to be in her own space. Independent woman. Um, I also, back in our um, trying kind of wild meditations phase, when I went to see Tej, mm-hmm. the Kundalini, Kundalini yoga teacher, yoga yes. teacher because um, I was having like an episode of high anxiety. This was years and years ago, but she recommended you and I do a meditation back to back. Do you remember that? I think so. Like I do remember there was lots sit, of back to back yoga. and uh, Like you, you'd sit back to back. And what happened there? Yeah, we did do that for a bit. Was it good? It was cozy for a sec, but I, I just had that, that anxiety just like kind of had to play its, run its course. And yeah. it did. No, back-to-back is, back-to-back's better. Face-to-face, you've done face-to-face I meditations, did. right? Yeah, like long... I did. Oh, major. When I did the whole kundalini thing, you would do like hour-long open-eye facing someone meditations. Uh, I did it once with Flea, and I remember being nervous because I had rosacea, and I thought I didn't want him to be looking at my rosacea for an hour, but it was funny <laughs> and fun. When did you first get rosacea? And what is rosacea? Exactly? I don't know. It's like a, it sound, when you really break it down, it sounds kind of, Grim, like we all have micro, you know, bacterias and things, and it's a sort of inability to sort of just fight those and have chill skin. So you would think <laughs> maybe you should just like put hydrogen peroxide. So it's clean. the absence of chill is it's really the absence what, yeah. of 
your body being able to, but I got it like around 16. It definitely flared up when I was stressed and it kind of flares up when you exercise and get hot or when you eat hot food or hot liquids, but it's, it's calmed down, hasn't it? It has. Friend of the pod, Georgia Mack, was at a festival last night. I forget what festival. It was the one with Boy Genius and LCD Sound System. And she said one of the artists at the festival did an acknowledgement of country. Oh. Which is kind of, you know, in Australia, it's become such a common part of social settings and performances and, you know, and and it's kind of less common here. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. And there's um, there's ways to do it, like taking your time, not making it gammon. As gammon, say. yeah. Yeah, we've, we've, we're tweaking our acknowledgement of country because I got sent a little advice. And look, beautiful babies, feel free to educate us because yeah, we course. are not in a stagnant loop. I mean, I loop. get it. Like once you get sort of taught and schooled, like, you know, it's sort of like, oh yeah, of course. Like don't rush it. Don't, you know, because now it's so common in Australia that people are like, we'd like to acknowledge. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I always think the acknowledgement of country is actually also something we're doing for ourselves. It's not like a charitable act or well, something yeah. like, and uh, you know, indigenous people seem to appreciate it, but I actually think it's something, there's something very healthy about standing on a piece of land and acknowledging the history that comes with it and kind of taking a moment to let that yeah. sink Yeah, I mean, in. I can imagine, you know, something terrible happens. I mean, for being being like Jewish and there's like Holocaust deniers and stuff, it's if no one ever mentioned it and then once in a while they were like, and yeah, we remember that this happened. It's sort of like, what is it really doing? But it's better than not remembering. Yeah, we got taught uh, this week that emerging elders is not a uh, gammon it's gammon yeah <laughs> it's not but it's not a it's not a good part so we're, we're dropping that from our landing lodgement it's interesting how there's a sort of realm of conservative people who feel incredibly put upon by these little corrections and learning and, and to me it's just like it's almost like a fun part of living in a society like keeping up with a conversation it can't about be the best ways to respect each other when my stepdad wanted me to call him dad and it was like <laughs> it felt like it felt so hard to say dad out of my mouth and that's what i feel like people who don't want to say they them or people who don't want to say these words, it's as if they have to say something that's so painful. It's like an exorcism. It's like so hard to say these things. I think it's an amazing t-shirt just to say learning someone's pronouns will never be as difficult as learning to call your stepfather dad. <laughs> so true. <laughs> I know. Some, what did someone say about quitting smoking can't be as hard as learning starting how to, to floss starting to yeah. floss i've never quit i forget what comedian it was but someone said i've never quit smoking but i can imagine how hard it is because i know how hard it is to start flossing exactly yeah. that's uh that is that is true how great was whitmer's episode last week i love you had to it. listen back to it like with whitmer we've been wanting to hang out and get to know each other and it's kind of fun having the podcast as a space for that to happen i know i view our house and especially this kind of a creative like you know music room pod room our studio our studio we call it it's just so fun to it's like really feels like we're playing like inviting someone over for a play date and his mind is so interesting because he's got this like punk thing where he's a little like anti everything yeah you can kind of feel like he's got he's got that kind of like everything he does has a sneer to it yeah what was the glenn Campbell thing. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, so, the... okay, yeah, yeah. So where we live in Laurel Canyon, yeah, at the end of one of the streets, the back streets in the canyon, 
is the Glen Campbell estate. Okay. Where he lived. Oh. And I was go- I, I was walking the dogs and I walked the dogs past it and I decided to look it up. And it was kind of amazing what it led me to. Um, How did you know where it was? I've seen it before and someone has told me, someone had told he me. He wrote that, like a rhinestone cowboy there? I don't or something. know about that. But you did a, you did a, you discovered um, an article that was cool. Yeah. No, no, it's not an article. It's just, I just found it interesting that we live near this. I thought you were like, you seem confused. Yeah. I am oh, confused. you're too upset about today. I'm confused. We're going to a friend's memorial and I'm just like, I, it's, I, I kind of, in some ways, things like memorials, the mature part of us knows that we need to get closure when friends die and that it's good for us to participate in. But it's like I see it in the calendar approaching and I'm dreading it. I've had some of the best times at memorials as far as just, yeah, at the memorial. Not best time, like woo-woo fun, but like just sobbing and kind of feeling connected and connected to myself and connected to life and something about it opening you wide open and then the reality of actually just missing the person is not there for some reason so it's almost just like this experience of i don't know opening up but i think the thing i struggle with is those kind of experiences when they happen organically they're they're amazing but seeing it in the calendar i know that's that what it's i mean scheduled, I know. it's so well i was it's trying so it's like to... knowing you're going to get on a roller coaster i know and it's it's interesting because it's a friend of myself and Josh Radner's and so we're going to play a song and me and Josh haven't played together in a few years too so there's like there's just a lot of um emotions to yeah it, I think, well it's a giving it's a giving thing to kind of support the family I know and it's interesting isn't it memorials and, and funerals and things like that because I genuinely do not feel that the person who died is like watching over it or it's not for them yeah it really is for everybody the family and all yeah the to gather together and just have a moment, I guess, where you and you do it. You kind of do it once. I mean, the Jewish calendar. Sometimes people light a candle once a year you're, on the anniversary of the death. Right, right, yeah. But for most t- people, it's like something you do once, and you kind of say goodbye together as a community. And it's, I guess, you bring flowers to the grave, and the Jewish thing you put in a, a rock on the grave. Yeah. Which I didn't. Did you know. do that? Did you used to visit your? We did it like once or twice. Did you ever do it? I visited my grand. Did you put a rock on there? Yeah, I remember putting a rock on it. But like my What's dad's, the symbolism of the rock? I've forgotten. I don't know. But it's interesting because a lot of the Jewish rituals are about grounding these esoteric things in a physical action. Uh-huh. Like we were talking about like Passover, you dip parsley in salt water for the tears. Yeah. Or you tear your shirt when you're grieving. Yeah. Or you break a glass at the wedding. Like a lot of the rituals are sort of these beautiful physical actions to demonstrate something so yeah I don't know what the yeah but I, I don't know if i've i think i visited my dad's grave once i i don't feel any sense of these you know graves and cemeteries i don't feel any sense of connection to them yeah i know what you mean what are we doing what are you going to do with what are you, you going to do advanced directives for what the family does with your funeral mm. and stuff. Let's talk about last <laughs> but night. But I want to hear, I want to hear, what do you want to do? How do you want to be buried or cremated or what's your, any particular celebrations? No, I don't like to think about it yet. <laughs> okay. You want to be cremated? I want to be cremated. 
Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, last night we went out dancing to our sneaky spot that my friend found. And it's so funny because it's on a Saturday night. It's like... It's, In Hollywood. Yeah. So this is the... We have the moral dilemma of a place that we've discovered and we are both natural sharers i know but we do not want to share because once it gets blown it. out it's yeah like, it's we done. shared it with people who are in town and leaving soon and we went last night and i drunkenly made uh lots of plans to travel places with people. oh where where are we going we're going to mexico city okay. we might we're going to morocco we're going Oh, I think like Utah. I don't know. I love that. So some people like get drunk and like drunk dial for hookups. You get drunk and hop on Travelocity and plan our summers. We were just like talking about where we're going this summer. And then, oh, you know, Ira's turning, having a birthday. Why don't we go to Mexico City? Whatever. But it won't happen. And amazing. I mean, it will happen. And but before not really. that, we were not down at the summer. farmer's market at the Grove for Nika Costa's birthday. And it was a great idea little great idea and they do great, it every year apparently were you, we were never invited i said this is so good well, have we you ever done this before and they were like every year yeah but probably before the pandemic we weren't close with nika that's then. true yeah and um but there was some great aussie showings there was mark lazotte who you wouldn't know of but he played under the name johnny diesel when i was a kid he was like a great you know radio blues rocker johnny diesel in the injectors and it was really cute because our friend patience who's in town uh went on melrose and had a, sh a shopping spree she might tell tell us about but listen i've had really good conversations with my brother and mother huh. ever since writing my memoir which <sighs> makes sense of course so you're in the middle of writing yeah it. for some reason i mean they're great people but for some reason they're giving a lot of their attention and time and thought and i have almost never had you know my brother is a mover and a shaker and got a million pots on the boil and so for him to have this focused if you focused long conversations with me his little sister i just it was like giving me every little sister dream of like, my brother is giving me focus. Is there an element where people know this is their chance to tell their side of the story and so they want to make sure you've got it straight or what's going on? I, I don't know. I think he's he's genuinely happy for me yeah. and he want my brother wants to help me. And I think my mom, I have, she's more of a more of a dark fish, I was going to say. What's the term? My mom is a dark fish. <laughs> I, I've, I've never heard the phrase before, but we are going to title this episode that. So yeah. dark horse, uh, <laughs> kettle of fish. What am I mi mixing? She, what are, look, she is a dark they? horse riding along with a kettle of fish strapped she's to a its saddle. She's a kettle of a fish wrapped in an enigma. But yeah, she's sort of hard to understand. Hard to please, hard to understand. No, very um, much an angel i feel i have to say and it's the truth <laughs> but it is you know what i'm saying about yeah. her it's hard to sort of see her motivations well she's very private very private but also very dutiful and like giving i mean yeah. really literally that giving you your shirt the shirt off her back it's but like what she literally does stuff but like what that. about for you the actual process of you're writing every day. It's so intense. You're oh, like yeah. dredging up memories and writing about your childhood. You said I like... looked, speaking of deathbeds again <laughs> and death, you said I looked like I was on my deathbed as I wrote on my <laughs> It was my like bed. you were writing your like, I was like final lying words. Down, yeah. Like uh, 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 writing. I write for like maybe 
four solid hours yeah. without getting up to pee. And like, I just can't, can't stop. Are you hydrating while this is happening or is this yeah. full? Yeah, okay. I've got my coffee and some water. Amazing. Um, and are you finding it invigorating, exhausting, stimulating? What, what's yeah, yeah, both, all of the above. Together we're weirder, we're weirder together. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I decided for my own exploration to do a little podcast series that the first episode is going to come out this week on the future of being a musician. Uh, because I was, you know, with the writer's strike happening here uh, in LA, it sort of made me think a lot about how writers are having these conversations about the way technology is influencing their industry and the various opportunities and problems that come up. And I decided, like, in music, people aren't talking about these things as a community. It's sort of like, like, it's like musicians are very much just playing defense right. against technology and stuff. Yeah, so like I, those think tanks that, what's our friend, who's our friend in uh, Australia? Yeah, Greg. He does, like in the economic, in the economic and world, yeah. in a lot of worlds, they do have these sort of think tanks. And, and, and sure, you get like Young Artists United to go together in political things to get people to vote. And But yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, and so while there are musicians' unions and things, they're not, powerful or widespread enough to be tackling things like streaming revenues and yeah. AI. It's like, so I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to about half a dozen different people who are trying to identify the problems that are coming up in the future of being a musician. And people can ask questions and... Well, I'm going to ask. I'm interviewing Oh, yeah. oh you're interviewing. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was spacing out for a sec before thinking about a request that my friend who I just made up with texted me about earlier. So what was that? I was going to say, well, I want to Well, hang on, let me finish talking about this because yeah. this thing is about to come out. And I'm going to do about, and there's different ones with people that are envisioning ways of musicians unionizing or tackling tech issues. And because I don't, I love technology and I actually think all of the social stuff and streaming and AI, it could all, it could and should all be like a positive part of the future of being a musician, but we do have to look at it kind of soberly and figure yeah. out. So I'm just excited. So anyway, that's going to, I'll probably put the first episode up in this feed so yes. people get it and then people can subscribe for the other six if they're interested in the subject matter. That's great. On the future of being a musician. I love it. Yeah. I got a text earlier from my ex-best friend who we made up the other day so it was like an xx xx we we had a you know pandemic falling out over issues love a good pandemic falling and out. um we made it finally finally after all these years later made it back together in a hug we we didn't talk about hot topics that would have not been good yeah you steered um, clear of the danger zone yeah so but but then i kind of it was great she made the you know whatever she kind of broke the spell or not broke the spell broke the ice but then we haven't connected since but she just texted me this morning i i reached out after we saw each other and said 
that was great. Thanks for reaching out first and nothing from her. But, you know, um, I was sort of the one who had put the brakes on right. making up. So anyway, blah, blah, blah. So she wants me to find a picture of her from the Tibetan Free Tibet concert that Adam Yauk put together. So I'm going to have to try to find that. So I thought that was interesting. I think you said something about questions, asking questions. She asked me, do you know where this oh. picture is? <laughs> and then um, she wants me to come visit her soon. Oh, cool. Yeah, what do you remember about that whole, the period, that free Tibet? Were you at was both of them? San Francisco? Yeah, I was at both of them. There was San Francisco and there was DC. I was at the DC Oh, yeah, one. I was I at San at Francisco. The, yeah. It was... It's funny because I remember it as if it were two separate events. Maybe there was something else with the monks, but there was something that was quite sad. It was the end of my relationship with Adam. And I remember being on the beers or I don't know what I was doing. I just remember feeling like, is that what you call it? Being on the- Get end, on the beers, getting mate. Getting on the beers. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I remember feeling very sad that our relationship had fractured, and um, but we were still together. And yeah, I remember being there with Amy and- I feel like Flea's kid was there or something other. And then the part I remember, the, there's another whole chapter where I was with Bjork and Bjork's and Co, Bjork's manager. That, yeah, yeah, she was the manager. Co, um, yeah. And watching the Biz Marquee on stage and he was unreal. He just like sat on a boom box, not on a boom box, on a crate. and just, Was that the second one though? Was that in D.C.? Maybe. Was that the one that R.E.M. and Radiohead played at and Maybe. stuff? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I was at the D.C. one. And the Bjork thing, I think, was in San Francisco. And I okay. just remember being away from Adam at some point and, like, partying, not, like, on drugs, but, like, running around a hotel room, hotel with Bjork. Where and she, she smacked your butt, She smacked she? my butt, and it was, like, so flattering and fun. And I was just mesmerized May by her. May we all be blessed by having I mean, our backsides. I mean, is she truly mm. – she is truly mesmerizing. Or is it that we oh, just, sure. like – because not everyone who's such a good artist is the way, that way in person. She's also amazing. She's cultivated an otherworldliness about her, and she's also stayed very connected to her childlike yes sense of yeah, like her we little sprite like sense around, of play. Like we were running around hallways like we were children. She was one of the people who I saw parenting. I guess when we when we got together, you were parenting Kate. She was four. And I saw this in you too, but Bjork was one of the first people sort of of our generation parenting, like as artists, where she was genuinely interested in what her kid, Sindri, who was then probably five or six, found funny. Uh -huh. And I thought it was so sweet because I was kind of used to, I grew up where parents sort of put up with their kids talking about what they found yeah, funny yeah, yeah. or interesting. It was like a, it was like an endurance battle. Like you'd actually have to sit and listen to your kids talk. And this is kind of, I was seeing this mom who was a fascinating artist actually interested in her kid's sense of humor. Yeah. I remember sitting at Spring Street Natural. He was relating back entire scripts of sketches from an Icelandic sketch comedy show. Yeah. Reminded me, I used to do that with a comedy company. Oh, a that's show. so cute. And I just thought it was such a sweet style of parenting. Yeah. So that's one of my memories of her. Yeah. And then that other moment when the biz like just sat on that box and sang his songs and it was like... Because didn't he, didn't he put himself out of breath? He was running around for the first three songs Maybe. so intensely that the rest of the set he had to sit down. But it was just as good. Amazing. Like you would say, you know, how can someone, I guess a lot of people sit and play a guitar and it's amazing. Yeah, rappers are not as. But he was as just as, yeah. as dynamic sitting down like that. 
that's amazing. So what what American TV shows did you watch in Australia? Um, when I was growing up? Yeah, because you have a song called American Television. Yeah, well, I was very big on, I guess the two areas you would divide my television watching in was the sitcoms uh-huh. from like Family Ties, Growing Pains, Punky Brewster, all that 80s sitcoms. Yeah. Or daytime TV, Donahue, Sally, Jesse, Raphael. Did you have Judge Judy? I don't know if we had Judge Judy. I don't remember that. What did they make you think about America? Or did you get that more through songs? Like, No, it was... Because it... <laughs> like those TV shows are sets, but you get... And they're and the, usually people are dressed like brightly colored and it's not exactly what the kids were wearing out in the it, world. But... I didn't think of American television as an accurate display of what it would be like to be in America. But the spirit of it, how much belief people on these shows had that they were the central character in their stories yeah. was actually totally accurate. And and do Amer- um, Australians not have that exactly? Australians don't have that. So in their TV shows do have a different vibe. So it's like... There's a detachment from it. Because I, I feel like there's a... Australians have a... Like the same way we sort of tear each other down. We tear ourselves down right. and try not to so get American too self-involved. American shows would be like, I can't believe this is happening oh, it's to all, me. Exactly. It's like, It's... The urgency and the drama. Like you ruined my my bed when I was just having my friend come over from next door. Exactly. Like exactly. It's so intense. So I think for me as an artist, I just saw the degree of belief and self obsession and probably narcissism and all of You're that. Like, just, I love and that. I was like, this is gonna That's be this will be I'm perfectly like. at home. Yeah. I've never fit into this Australian style anyway. Did you ever have like a fantasy about moving somewhere else like Europe or Brazil or anything? Or was it kind of like, I want to go to New York and LA? Well, I always just wanted to go where the work was. Oh, okay. So, so America was the, yeah. the most work. But You but, weren't like going to go to Paris and do music? No. I mean, I, I think I toyed with fantasies in my mind. Like when I, even recently, a few years ago only, when I went to Brazil and I was in Rio, I was like, I'd like to spend a bit more of an extended period here. It's funny, I went to Goldie's school and I was talking to them about, because they were studying immigration. Yeah. And I was the guest as a first-generation migrant. And I was saying that a lot of what I was attracted to about America was totally accurate, but also there was a shadow to it I didn't perceive at all. That, you know, the obsession, the self-obsession and the self-belief has such a dark side to yeah, it. I mean, that's major. like Trump and all of yeah. it. It's like people well, that shouldn't also, have the self-belief that they have. Yeah, and just like selfishness or something yeah it's just like and not not thinking of others really exactly yeah self-obsession thank you guys for listening uh later this week we have a special episode with patience my friend who's an ex uh, member of the greats which were a legendary iconic brisbane kind of punk band we should play their song she's pretty iconic yeah so that's coming up on friday and uh if you have a voice note you can send it in to weedertogetherpod at gmail.com. Got weed on your tongue there? You no, pulled I don't know out what that like was. A, it was a, I, I, I would say it's most like a, like a pube, but that's uh, very unlikely. That it looks I, I some <laughs> like a dog hair. <laughs> but the way hair. you pulled it out, you looked like a cool stoner <laughs> pulling like a, what would it be? Weed, like a stick what, from the 70s or what would yeah, ever have? stems and seeds and stems. <laughs> yeah, why would someone ever have that on their tongue? Drop us a review if you like on... Uh, if you oh, like. Oh, wait, there's also uh, Jello's podcast, Jelly Biafra's podcast on the Weirder Together Podcast Network. 
uh, Renegade Roundtable. There's an excellent interview this week. It's a two-parter, and the first part just dropped an interview with Stuart from King Gizzard, which is an iconic Australian band who have kind of taken the world by storm. And I just found the interview really interesting. I really loved hearing them talk because Jello is such a huge fan and they were just had a very good mutual respect. Yeah. It was awesome. I like hearing Jello. So, uh, yeah, we'll see you later. See you later, beautiful babies. Together we're weirder, we're weirder together. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.